0: Hello, welcome to The Profit Margin with me, Naomi McMullen and Jamie DeLargie. This week, we're talking about the future of work. Will all the robots really steal our jobs? What happens is people live longer and we have to deal with the demographics of an aging workforce. Plus, how do you even hold on to millennials once you've invested in them? You're listening to The Profit Margin with First Trust Bank. Lots to get through this week. The future of work is such a massive topic. I caught up with Tamandra Harkness, who was speaking at the Women in Business Conference in Belfast. She's a writer and broadcaster and presents a programme on Radio 4 about future-proofing. I asked her if the march of machines means one day a lot of work we do could be replaced by artificial intelligence in the future.
1: I think we'll certainly see a lot of automation and that's already starting to happen. What's quite interesting now is that machines have taken over a lot of the physical labor, which is a process that started right back at the end of the 19th century when people realized that a machine could be more efficient than a horse or a person even. And so we already have the benefits of that. My grandparents did really heavy manual work unloading things from the holds of ships. And although a lot of dockers lost their jobs when we went over to more mechanisation, I don't think anyone would say that it was a better world when lots of people had to spend their working life Just moving heavy stuff. What's interesting now is that machines are also taking over some of the mental tasks. So, a lot of relatively easy tasks that would have been done by white collar workers at desks are now being done by artificial intelligence. I had quite a funny conversation with my solicitor a little while back where he was saying, Oh, robots taking the jobs. I do worry about all these poor steel workers being made redundant. What will they do? And I said, Well, you shouldn't relax too much because there's some teenager in America has built uh, a robot lawyer that will appeal your parking tickets for you. So there's a lot of work done by lawyers, the very basic work of going through documents and checking them and maybe looking back over case law, which can be done by machines now. The question is, are we going to see people's jobs taken wholesale the way that maybe dockers were replaced by crane drivers and lorry drivers or are we going to give up parts of our jobs to machines so maybe uh, you, you will still make radio programs but maybe some of the research will be done by a robot for you and maybe some of the admin will be done by a robot for you so a machine can do the boring parts and you can get on with the creative parts. That's the, kind of, that's the optimistic scenario. And what sectors do you think are particularly vulnerable? Anything where there's a lot of very routine work, whether it's physical or mental work, is, is vulnerable. Because those are the kind of things that machines are good at, whether you're talking a robot, or artificial intelligence. I think the things that are harder to replace are the things where you need to be adaptable and creative and use your initiative because those are not the machines... Sorry, those are not the things that machines are good at. And there's always somebody who will say, oh, well, but, you know, a machine can play Go now or a machine can write a symphony or a machine can predict a best-selling book, is the, the most recent claim. But... When it comes to innovation and coming up with new solutions or even identifying new problems that we didn't recognise as problems before, I think we still need the human mind for that.
0: But is there a way, do you think, to future-proof your business, to spot and predict trends, to be ahead of the curve? In a sense,
1: the phrase future-proofing is a bit unfortunate because it suggests that you can make yourself impervious to change. I think in a way you need the opposite. You need to accept that there's always going to be change and uncertainty and you need to be prepared to take risks and say, okay, well this is my hunch and if I follow my hunch, I know that this may fail. So, you know, I want to be prepared for that. Maybe I don't want to risk the whole business on this one idea. But the idea that you can predict everything and foresee everything and protect yourself against everything, I, I think is a dangerous illusion because then you get very stuck in one way of doing things instead of thinking, well, this has worked so far, but it looks like things may be about to change. So maybe we should try something a bit different. Maybe we should be a bit experimental. Well, in that V and in that spirit, do you have any tips for how you can stay ahead of the curve? Well, obviously, you have to look at the thing that nobody else is doing. You have to think, why is nobody else doing this? Is it because it's a crazy idea? Is it because somebody's tried it and doesn't work? Or is it just that everyone's copying everybody else? I think if you have some experience in in a field and a bit of knowledge, then... You do have some expertise that feeds intuition. I don't think intuition is some kind of magical, mystical thing. I think it's a form of human knowledge which comes of our being able to combine what we know and then think about what we don't know and put those things together creatively to go... Which is what we do all the time. with The, I mean, the radio series Future Proofing is entirely about let's take one idea. Let's talk to some people who are doing this now so it's not plucked out of the air. It's based on maybe what some scientist or technologist is working on right now in their lab. But then you push it into the future and think, well, where could this take us? Where could we be in 50, 100 years' time if this comes off? And and I think a, a bit of that, a bit of using what you do know and then being prepared
0: to take a leap into what you don't know But don't bet the whole business on it. (laughs) (laughs) But don't bet the whole business on it. So, do trust your gut and it seems a lot of us will be safe for now. But there are some immediate pressing concerns about how the current workforce is changing. Dr Nicola Millard is Head of Customer Insight and Futures at BT. She was in Belfast for the Business in the Community Conference, one of the keynote speakers. Her work is largely around trends. A psychologist by background, she looks at how technology interacts with human behaviour unlike other futurologists she doesn't think offices are dead we're too social for that but they are changing both as a technology and a demographic shift with people living longer we're facing an older workforce too I asked her how companies should deal with that
2: we've got an incredibly diverse workforce um, coming in now we for the first time we've got five generations at work uh, that's brilliant in one five. way absolutely five five generations coming in so uh, so we, we've still got uh, we obviously there there's, there's a lot of talk about longevity. Um, so, Sorry,
0: just on the five, who are the five?
2: Oh, on Now, so we've got the traditionalists, the baby boomers. Uh, then we've got Generation Y, uh, X, and Z all coming in now. So the Zs are just coming in so they're the youngest generation we've got. Um and there's of course a generation coming up behind them uh, as well. So there might be six generations at work although it has to be said that the baby boomers and traditionalists are uh, lucky enough to have retirement generally. Um what we're starting to see is retirement is going to become more and more difficult. Um and also because we're living longer, I think um that we we know there's babies born today that potentially could live to 120. Um, death may become optional in the future. I'm not sure that's a good thing, but, um, but taxes probably won't. So, so actually, we are seeing that we're going to have an older workforce, but we can't forget that we're also going to have a younger workforce. So we've got lots of people in the workforce. I'm in an innovation team. And actually, for innovation to happen, you need diversity, um, which is brilliant. But also diversity sometimes provokes fragmentation. Um, so this, this again, is a, it's a leadership problem because actually we want just on generations we want the generations to talk to each other we do find on generational things um, again if you're looking at collaboration um, we tend to be a product of the technology we've grown up with so we tend to get an older generation liking things like email and a younger generation chat is where it's at and again the problem is if you want these generations to talk to each other You need to create these common grounds, I call it, and technology um, where people can actually come together on a natural platform and talk. And that could be face to face, but that's increasingly becoming a luxury. But how do we actually pull people together? That's leadership challenge the other challenge on longevity especially is is um and there's some brilliant work being done by professor linda Grattan at london business school around this around the fact that the traditional career trajectory that we would normally take so we would think of our typical career to be you know we go to school we maybe go to college or university we then go into the workforce we maybe have a number of jobs and then we retire Uh, That's not the case necessarily anymore. So in actual fact, what we're finding is... As, as technologies maybe replace some of our skills, we're having to retrain mid-career. So we're going back to school after having a job, um, or we're taking a career break. So because we know we're maybe not going to be able to retire, um, till we're quite old, um, we're getting people taking little sabbaticals, you know, mid-career. Uh, we're also getting a phenomenon at the moment. I think about a third of new businesses. So entrepreneurial new businesses are being opened up by over 55s. Um, so that they're, they're getting to the point where they're thinking, well, I'm not sure. I want to do what I'm doing. Let's do something that I really want to do that I have a passion for because I'm going to be doing it for a lot longer than maybe I thought. But all of that is very disruptive. So... Um there's a lot of debate around. So if if we're going back into training, maybe in our 40s or 50s, who funds that? Do we? Does our employer? Do the government? Um, Because that's not traditionally how we funded education. And indeed, things like flexible working and sabbaticals uh, start to come into the picture as well. So if I'm working into my 70s, um, I probably don't want to work a nine to five week. I probably don't want to commute regularly for a very long time into an office. But I do have immense amounts of expertise, Accumulated over a whole career. Um, so how, from an employment perspective, employers probably want that kind of talent, but they need be, uh, a, to give a lot more options in terms of flexibility uh, to keep that talent.
0: And a lot of employers that I speak to sometimes tell me it's actually really hard to hold on to younger workers. You know, is there a knack to that? Or have they just grown up in such an agile environment that they don't expect to stay with a company
2: so forget the annual appraisal with these guys. Um, they really don't want that. They, they want feedback on a very regular basis. Um, they do want to see the impact that they're making. So they, they, they don't just want a role. They want a role that they can see make some tangible difference to the business. Uh, they want to use cool technologies. They want a tangible sense of progress. They want to see that they're actually making an impact on the world. Um, but we've got five generations at work. And I always say the subtitle to a lot of this work is, is One Size Really Doesn't Fit All Anymore
0: some things to think about there, and I wonder how many firms would ditch the appraisal and switch to constant feedback instead. Well, one woman looking for feedback from firms in Northern Ireland is Dr. Ruth McKiernan. She's the new CEO of Innovate UK. Their job is to find and drive the technology innovations that will grow our economy. In fact, Innovate UK are going to appoint a regional manager in Northern Ireland. I asked
3: Ruth why she decided to visit Belfast now. As the new chief executive, it's my first trip to Northern Ireland. We fund and support businesses right across the UK, all the nations and regions. We're particularly interested in making sure that all regions of the UK have the opportunity to grow. So I wanted to come here and talk to some of the businesses that have had Innovate UK funding to understand what we need to do to help them scale and be more successful. And I've been fortunate enough to talk to, you know, big medium and small companies and get a really good feel of of what Northern Ireland is is good at.
0: Well obviously you travel across the UK, you have innovation in your blood in
3: some sense, how do we compare as a region compared to everywhere else? Every region has its strengths and I'm a glass half full kind of person so I'll talk about the strengths. What I've seen is great strength in cybersecurity. so CSIT which we co-fund with EPSRC, some great technology, great ideas and companies coming out of there. I've seen some really good medtech businesses, Apatic, for example. We just had a lovely round table um, and try and understand how we can help those businesses grow. Obviously, the aerospace um, area with Bombardier, where I visited yesterday and saw some of their new composite wings being made, they're some of the strengths.
0: And what about the challenges? Let's face up to some of the challenges that companies in
3: Northern Ireland may face in particular. Well, I think the whole of the UK is going to face the challenge of Brexit, particularly so in Northern Ireland. You know, there is, as I'm sure you're all aware, you know, a lot of of challenges for people in this area. But what I did hear in a roundtable that I had today is that companies are up for it. They're up for the challenge. Whatever happens, however this shakes out, businesses need to be ambitious, they need to grow, they need to partner with people across the whole of, of the globe, really. And actually, Northern Ireland looks to the States and looks to Canada more than other parts of the UK. So I think it's a challenge. But, but Northern Ireland is up for that challenge.
0: A challenge indeed. So what else is likely to be challenging us in the week ahead? Here's Neil Parker from First Trust Bank.
2: Coming up, we'll have inflation ratings from both the EU and the UK. I'd expect a strong reading again from the EU, mainly due to the slowing decrease in energy prices. However, the ECB should remain concerned as they continue to run out of ammunition to help spark economic activity in Europe. And then from the UK, inflation is likely to start creeping up quickly as we import inflation. Many are already feeling the effects of the weaker pound as the cost of fuel, food and foreign holidays impact on living standards and household spending. There is still a dark shadow over the global economy. The Brexit vote has heralded a period of political, economic and currency uncertainty. The UK's future trading relations with the EU are now under a cloud. The big question now is where will sterling sell?
0: You're listening to The Profit Margin with First Trust Bank. Our startup this week is one of the finalists in the Propel programme. That programme is designed to spot new ventures with potential. They were having a pitching day in the Titanic building in Belfast. I went down to check it out. Pitching this week is Olivia from Blinky. Here's what she does. My name is Olivia Farnan and I'm the founder of The Blinky Company. And we aim to make fun and adventurous products for parents and children everywhere come rain, shine and hopefully sleep without compromising on any of the safety. The Blinky is our first offering to the market and it's the go anywhere buggy blanket that allows you to look after your little ones whatever the weather. If you want to find out more information about us, you can find us at theblinkycompany.com. We'll be catching up with more of the Propel finalists in the week ahead. If you want to catch up with us, you can email me at naomi at theprofitmargin.co.uk or find us on Facebook at The Profit Margin. Next week, Jimmy will be looking at family-run businesses in Northern Ireland. You're listening to The Profit Margin with First Trust Bank.